0: So today's Baptism Sunday, that is an awesome thing because Jesus changes people's lives and we're gonna look at that. Uh, before we do that, I wanna give us a little bit of background about where we've been in the book of Exodus. So uh, what we've looked at is, is God has his people, the Israelites, they were slaves for 430 years in the nation of Egypt and what God did uh, in one night was he moved in by his spirit and walked them out of their slavery. Uh, it wasn't something that they earned, it wasn't something that, that the Israelites really had a plan for. God walked in and just walked them out into freedom. And so what we're going to see today uh, is the way that 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 event created a ton more issues for them. Like you think, how could this be bad? Like they're free, but we're going to find out that it got really bad really seriously really quickly. And so what God did is God continued to work with them with everything that they brought up, okay? He didn't have like a two prayer only limit on them, but as they brought things to God and as he said, okay, God, you need to do something about this, God came through every time. Before I was here, I was the student ministries pastor at Mountain View Main Campus. I've said that just about every week, but it relates to the story right now. Uh, Because one of the cool things that we would do every year was we'd go to Hume Lake Winter Camp. And the thing that would make winter camp winter camp was snow. Because if we didn't have snow, might as well just stay at home and save the money and not get in a bus. But uh, we like with the drought and everything, we had no snow for like three years in a row. And so this last January, going up, like, we know that there is snow out there somewhere. Because as it rains here, it snows up there. So our prayer always was, okay, God, let there just be some snow. We would like to see a little bit of snow. That would just be amazing. And that that afternoon as we were driving up the hill to go to camp, uh, a storm hit. And it looked like, no, not that, but that that's what we're going down the mountain in a bus, and that looks really scary because that is a whole lot of white. So our prayer of God, we really want there to be snow, turned into, oh my you, uh, could you please get us down this hill without crashing into a tree again, which happened like a decades ago, but it's, it's always in your head. So we get there, it's snow, everything is great. God, thank you for snow. So first it was please snow, then it was wow, it's a lot of snow, and that was thank you for snow. And then I started to realize Saturday afternoon, we're not leaving. <laughs> like, that's a ton of snow on the roads, and it's a bus. It's not really like a four-wheel drive SUV. It's a bus, uh, which I don't like, but that's my own personal issues. Uh, and so now it's like, okay, Jesus, get us out of here. Like, I really like snow, really like high schoolers, but I really more like my family, and they're not driving down that road anytime soon. And so then that, the morning we were leaving, at six in the morning, it started to rain. My like, God, yes, thank you. So one more time, it's a different prayer. First there's Please let there be snow. That's a lot of snow. How are we going to get home? God, thank you for the rain. And I was so glad because the rain was melting the snow. The roadways are clear. I'm excited. We're going home. The only people who weren't were the students because, one, they have to go home. They were praying for getting snowed in. They did not want to go to school. If you're a teacher here, it's nothing personal. It's just everything that you represent at school. And so they're so excited to not spend time with you on Monday. Uh, But I was ecstatic because the rain took everything away, took away their dryness of their clothes as it permeated every single suitcase. And I told them all, you've got a dryer at home, right? Like, stop freaking out. You'll go home, you'll dry your clothes. It'll be great. But throughout that weekend, like, all of our prayers changed. And what we're looking at today in the book of Exodus, we're going to be in chapter 14, verse 5, you can go there in your Bible or in your app now, is the way that God responded to every single issue that the Israelites brought up. Every way that they cried out and freaked out and thought that their world and the control that they had over it was suddenly gone. That the God who had taken them out of Egypt, out of their slavery, was suddenly missing and they were all on their own. And what God shows them in an unmistakable, completely miraculous way is you will never run so far away from God that he can't preserve your destiny. We've talked about destiny for the past few weeks here as we've looked at Exodus, and we look at that idea of destiny as something that we're cursed with. I'm just gonna hurt in this area, that's my destiny. A personality trait that we can't ditch, that's just my destiny. Maybe it's a situation on our life or in a relationship, that thing is just destined to not succeed. But when we look at Jesus and we look in terms of our own destiny, we see that we worship a good God who knows how to, good give, who knows how to give good gifts. And so we can talk about destiny with our eyes on Jesus, knowing that he's going to lead us to something good. He's going to lead us to a destiny for each one of us that's good, that's safe, that's putting us right in God's hands exactly where he wants us to be, and that he's going to bring out of us gifts, passions, abilities, and moments that he has destined for us because he chose us and he knows each and every one of us by name. And there's nothing that as he leads us through that, that he's going to encounter that God just says, whoa, this is too big for me. We're going to see that today in Exodus, in the life of the Israelites. We're also going to see that in the lives of four people who are going to get baptized. They're going to come up, they're going to share their story of how Jesus has met them. And baptism for Christians has been something that we've done for centuries because it's people getting up and saying, the God of the Bible, the God who did all these things, the Jesus who died on the cross 2,000 years ago on a hill thousands of miles away, still works. And baptism is saying, what happened then still applies to me today. The God that saves sinners saved me. That's baptism. If you're here, you're out of junior high, and you follow Jesus, and you'd love to get baptized, our next baptism will be November 12th. Talk to me or any, anybody who's on stage speaking into a mic uh, after service, and we can get you prepped, locked, and loaded for that on November 12th. So Exodus 14, verse 5. Here we go. When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and then called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Israel's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel, who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped via, beside the shore uh, of Piharoth, across from Beelzefro. So what's going on here is, is they've just been let out, miraculously walked out of slavery into freedom. And now they're staring at a Red Sea in front of them, and they have an army that's quickly chasing up behind them. And they begin to worry. They begin to think, okay, what's going on? We were supposed to be led out of our 430 years of captivity. We are ready for freedom and we are staring at a death sentence. And I think we can think that same thing in our own lives. We ask Jesus to come into our lives to forgive us of our sins and then we encounter something else that's big. We encounter another difficult. We encounter something that looks bigger than we are and we don't know how to get around that. And what God says is you can trust me on this. I'm going to show you through the, life, through the life of the Israelites. I'm going to show you through a page right here but it's indicative of the rest of your life, that there's nothing that any one of us is gonna come across that is gonna outmatch God, that is gonna outmatch God, that's gonna outflank God, that's gonna do more than what God can do in our lives. Our relationship with Jesus isn't just a get out of hell free card and we'll see him in heaven, it's something that follows us every day, knowing exactly the situations that we walk into because God will be with us in the middle of those leading us to our destiny preserving our destiny and so the first thing we're going to see is that God preserves our destiny even in the face of confusion verse 10 as Pharaoh approached the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt what have you done for us why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen when we were still in Egypt? When we said, leave us alone, let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. God's gonna pervert, preserve our destiny in the face of confusion. The Israelites had gotten comfortable with their slavery. They said, this is, this is just where I'm gonna be. This is, this is what I think my destiny is. I'm destined to always be a slave, to never have any rights, to always be the source of abuse to always be the target of every single punch or whip that comes my way, that's just me. And so God leads them out and immediately they find another barrier, they find another difficulty, and so they get confused. And what God does is God leads them out of their confusion. He does not belittle it in the slightest. He says, "I'm going to lead you to peace. I'm going to lead you to assurance." I'm going to lead you to something that never belittles but always leads you through what this is going to look like in your life. And right now we're going to hear what it's looked like for Janessa and how Jesus made the difference in her life.
1: Uh, Today I want to share you uh, the spiritual difference God has made by showing me his purpose for my life. Uh, when I was eight, I first asked Jesus into my life. I was kneeling on my bed and felt like God was telling me to accept him into my heart. I heard his uh, this, uh, small, gentle voice. I did that and I didn't really feel any different, but I knew it was God coming into my life. Uh, around the age of 23, I re- rededicated my life to Jesus and Jesus is the leader of my life. He's the one I'm living for and not just myself. I could see the difference between a real Christian, a lukewarm Christian, and someone who doesn't follow Jesus at all. I wanted my life to look different. I have a purpose in my life and I'm not just living to live. My purpose is to help my family and make life not about me. God has placed me in healthcare and equipped me to shine light in people's lives. I really like sitting down with someone to get to know them beyond just a a surface level conversation. I like to do this at work and I do this with the homeless sometimes and family and friends. This is how God is using me and it shows me how God cares about each one of us and the problems in our lives. God can still help us no matter who we are. Knowing that God is always there through everything makes me feel good because it reminds me there's no sin that's bigger than God's love. God has answered my doubts and has shown me his truth. I love verses on asking God for answers and allowing God to speak to me and show me that he is my God and my leader. He is also showing me how to love others and that's something that really matters to me. I wanna be humble in my life and be used by him to show his love to everyone. God has a plan for me and and for everyone too. Uh, one of my favorite verses is Mark 9:23, and Jesus says, Anything is possible for all who believe. I chose this verse because no matter who you are and what's going on in your life, God can help you when you have faith. I was searching for truth, and God has helped me through prayer, through reading the Bible, and through spending time with other Christians. Today I'm getting baptized because I have found the truth in God and knowing that he's the only way in life. He's come to forgive me. I believe, and I want to live my life more for God.
0: It's a great line. God answered my doubts. God didn't belittle them. He didn't say, Janessa, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to give you answers. And for the Israelites, he does the same thing. He doesn't rebuke them for, for doubting, he doesn't rebuke them for freaking out. They've been free for like a week at the most. And God answers their doubts. He preserves their destiny in the face of the confusion. He also preserves their destiny in the face of difficulty. Verse 13 Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And not only does God have a plan, I think we understand that. We all know that at some point when everything is easy. But when stuff gets tough, it's so easy for us to think just like the Israelites did. God, what are you doing? Couldn't we have died in the situation that we were at? Couldn't we have just been comfortable living, always wanting our freedom? But what God says is I'm going to meet you in your moment. And instead of just giving you hope, instead of just answering your confusion, I'm also going to lead you out of difficulty. I'm going to lead you out of the difficulty because there's nothing that's so big that I can't handle it. And there's nothing so powerful that you can't trust me to walk you through it. That's the way that God moved for the Israelites in a way that we're going to look at in just a little bit. And that's the way that God has moved for Joel. So let's hear his story.
2: My name is Joel Vogt. I am a sophomore at Clovis East High School. I asked, my, I asked Jesus into my heart about eight years ago. I prayed to the kids' church teacher, and I wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. Afterwards, I felt like I had just made a great decision, and I love that my parents are proud of me. Since then, I've felt a real calling to invite people to church with me. i brought a bunch of people to the exchange, the student ministry at Mountain View. God made a huge difference in my life when my grandma died two years ago. God proved His presence, and I could see that everything happening was done by God. The way everything was connecting and the order it was all happening, it showed me that he was there. A relationship with Jesus has also matured me quickly. I don't do what other people do around me, and I, do, and I want my friends to have the same relationship with God that I have. One big prayer that God has answered has been how he's healed my grandpa following my, grandpa's, my grandma's death. Uh, knowing God cares enough to hear me and answer my prayers makes me feel great. He did what no one else could do. 1 Samuel 2 verse 2 says, No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. I agree that my God is my rock. He's unwavering. He's always there. With him, I have constant company in my life. I've, today, I'm getting baptized because I want to grow my relationship with God, and I want it to be known that I am a Jesus follower.
0: That's exactly what Joel said. God did what no one else can do. I mean, the, the Israelites, they're, they're looking at slavery behind them, an ocean in front of them, certain drowning. So what do they do? They cry out. They cry out in their confusion. God answers them and says, there's no difficulty that's too big for me because I will do what no one else can do. And so he did that for Joel. He did that following loss. He did that through navigating everything as you grow up. He did that through investing in people that you want to see say yes to Jesus and hoping that there's going to be a moment when they do. Because God is our God who has a destiny that he preserves for us in the face of confusion, in the face of difficulty, and also in the face of hopelessness. Verse 18, when my glory is displayed throughout them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Skip to 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. God God preserves our destiny in the face of hopelessness. He opens a path through the sea. He says, you've got drowning ahead of you, you've got slavery behind you, I'm gonna get involved, and I'm gonna take the ocean, and I'm gonna split it. And you're going to walk through on dry ground. And so that's what God does. He opens up a way for us through Jesus, through the cross, where our sins have pushed us away from God. Our sins have put us in a hopeless situation. And so what God did by sending Jesus was he sent Jesus to live the perfect life that we never can, to die a death for us that we could never die, so that through Jesus we can have the relationship with God that we will never deserve. It's called the the divine substitution. Where Jesus comes and he pays the penalty for us and we get to inherit the relationship that, that Jesus has with God. We're blessed. We receive his perfection. He takes on our sin. God preserves our destiny in the face of hopelessness. But, but what about the Egyptian army? Because if you're thinking like me, like if the Israelites walk across this ocean and the Egyptians are on horses, they're gonna catch them. Like this is a no-win situation. This is, ends in one way and that's a lot of blood. And it's probably not the guys on horses. So what God does is God fights for them in the midst of their hopelessness. God fights for them by by doing what only he could do, like what Joel said. By bringing clarity to their confusion, like what Janessa said. And he fights for them in the midst of their hopelessness. We're going to hear how he's done that for Felipe.
3: Hi, my name is Felipe Angeles. I asked Jesus into my heart last Sunday. I prayed with Brother Ruben and Brother TJ and asked Jesus to guide me and direct me and give me strength to say no to a lot of things. It felt great because God was making me feel at home and letting me know it's okay to tell people what's going on in my life. I'm sober for 11 months and it's been the best time of my life. The worst time of my life was when I wasn't sober. It destroyed me, but God put me back together. God had made me into a better person. When I was on drugs, I didn't want to be around anyone and, if, and I didn't feel respected. With God in my life, I'm the type of person that people can respect. I was the devil's best soldier, totally lost and confused. Now I love to wake up early and read my Bible. God has given me, took the blinders off my eyes so I can see clearly. God's given me strength to stay away from drugs and that's amazing. There really is a God out there and there's a purpose to my life. Before I would go to church to make people happy, now it's like God has reached out to me for anything I need. John three sixteen says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son so that anyone who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. How can someone give their son for my sins? God did that for all of us, and that's just amazing. Today I'm getting baptized because the old me is about to pass away and the new me is going to survive.
0: What does God do for the Israelites? He opens up the sea. He takes them out of their hopeless situation. But he doesn't just leave them there. He defends them. Just for us, when we come to Jesus, when you say, okay, I've made a mess of my life. God, I'm ready for you to come in. I'm ready for you to change things. He didn't say, okay, I'll take care of your sin, but you're on your own from here on out. He says, I'm going to give you new strategies. I'm going to give you a new way to live. I'm going to put my spirit in you. Who you are is going to end, and who you will be in me is going to continue. Just like what Felipe said. Just like what we've seen in our own eyes, in our own lives. He says, I've got a path through the hopelessness for you. Verse 26, when all the Israelites reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survives. Why? Because God preserves our destiny and fights for us. Faith plus participation equals miracles. He's saying, you're going to trust me, you're going to walk into what you don't know. You will not go there alone. You'll go there with the God of heaven behind you, leading you, protecting you, defending you, and showing you that he always is and always has been the answer and the way out. That as we trust him, with whatever we give him, even if we start with something tiny and say, God, I want you to show yourself. I want you to know, I want to know that I'm not alone. I want to know that you see me. God says, okay, I'm going to meet that faith, even if it's as small as a seed, and I'm going to grow it. Because God is a shepherd. He's going to lead us into what's best for us. He's not going to beat us for not having enough faith. He says, I'm going to meet you where you are, and I'm going to bring you into being the man, the woman I created you to be. And now we're going to hear from Dominga how that's been seen in her life. As her, as her step of participation in faith that God can make a difference has worked a miracle in her. Let's listen.
4: Yeah. I asked Jesus into my heart three years ago. I was an addict for 15 years and I knew I needed God in my life. I began crying out in prayer to God, asking him to pull me out of my darkness. I was full of anger and depression and it was horrible. God answered my prayer and I found my way to Mountain View and I fell in love with Jesus I asked Jesus to take the darkness out of my life. I didn't want to be that person anymore. I didn't want to be angry or depressed anymore, and Jesus came into my life. Now I've been sober for two years. Jesus took away my desire to do drugs, and that made me feel free and in control of my life. My mind was clear, and I saw the difference between addiction and being sober, and I'm never looking back. God got me at the right moment, and now I look forward to the future. One way God has worked in me was taking away my fear. I used to go to bed just worried. Now I sleep so much better because my fear is gone. God has also worked in me taking away my anger and teaching me how to deal with my problems without getting angry. I'm looking forward to my future because of Jesus. I'm so excited that good things happen in my life now and it's because of Jesus. Proverbs 3:5-6 says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding; seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take." This is what I want in my life. This is what I want God's will for myself and others. Today I'm getting baptized because I want to steal the good work God has done in my life, and I want to start a new life.
0: All right, so they're all going to head out right now because right after service, we've got a baptism, and it's going to be awesome. So as soon as we're done here, we're going to walk out, watch them get baptized, and then celebrate. So, God's destiny for Domingo wasn't one of addiction, wasn't one of always losing, wasn't one uh, of never being the, the lady that God created her to be. Just like God's destiny for Egypt, or for, for the Israelites, wasn't to go back to slavery, wasn't to die at the bottom of the ocean, but it was to walk through and then see their enemies swallowed up by the waves that they just walked right through, the walls of water that they saw as they walked through on dry ground. It wasn't for death. It was a destiny of miraculous freedom. And the same thing is for us today. Verse 29, it says, But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. And that is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the body of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So the question for us is where do I need God to part the sea in my life today? Where do we need God to intervene from heaven in my life? And the idea of my thing doesn't matter to God falls at the cross. Why? Because Jesus came to die for people individually. For us to all step into the freedom that God has for us, that Jesus paid for us. And so whatever you think your issue is or your disqualification today of why God wouldn't do that for you is mute before God. Because God loves us, God sent Jesus for us, and he wants to show that to us through his power to work in our lives. So where is the area where we want Jesus to move today? Jesus is a healing God. His power has not worn out the thing that you asked him for last week or last month or last year, that power is still fresh today to move. And so do we need Jesus to move in our lives physically? Where are the areas where, where we need physical healing, where we have joints, where we have bones and, and issues and muscles that, didn't, that used to work but don't work anymore? Where do we need Jesus to come into our lives physically to receive physical healing? Some of you, that's you today. You limped in here. You came in here today sore. You came in here carrying something that doesn't work. God is a God of miracles who wants to meet you today, who wants to lead you into freedom today, who wants to repair things that have been broken today. Not yesterday, not 2,000 years ago in the Bible through Jesus, but today because you matter and because the Spirit is here and because he wants to move in you. Where's the areas in your heart emotionally where you're filled with anger, where you're filled with bitterness, where you're filled with depression, where you're filled with hopelessness, with despair? What are the things in your heart and in your mind where you need Jesus to part the sea for you? You could look at your situation and think there is no way that I'm getting out of this. This is my destiny. Jesus says, no, not with me in charge because I created your mind, I created your heart. I know your situation better than you do and in the best loving way possible, God says, I wanna lead you out of that. What are the areas in our finances? God is our provider. And sometimes we're the people who work against that. Or we're the people who live under a need for God to provide for us financially. We're asking God, will you provide for us financially? Will you do a miracle for us financially? Will you heal us financially? Maybe it's a relationship that's been broken for years. You're asking God, I I need you to come in, I need you to restore this. The fact that we get to have a relationship with God is sign proof that God can repair relationships. Why? Because we worked our way away from God. We sinned against God. We were God's enemies, and while we were still enemies, God says, I'm going to send Jesus for you. I'm going to show you my love way before you deserve it, way before you expect it, way before you appreciate it, and I'm going to take the first step at repairing that relationship. So if God can make us right with him, he can work that out through us to make us right with other people. But the point is, is that we have to ask. We have to say, oh God, I'm broken. I'm broken. This is an area of my life where I need healing. And Lord, I want you to come in. I want you to bring freedom. I need that freedom today. I'm going to join my faith with my ability to participate to see the miraculous happen. If you're a prayer usher, I want you to head to the sides. We're going to close in just a couple minutes. And I challenge you today. If there's a point in your life where you need healing today, whether it's relationally, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physically, whether it's financially, whether it's sexually, fill in the blank where you're at today, and that's where God wants to meet you. He revealed himself first and foremost to Moses, saying that I am the God who is, I am. How do we remember that? Any situation where we bring to God and say, God, can you do this? And God says, I am. God, are you a God who fixes marriages? I am. God, are you a God who fixes knees and elbows and necks and heads? I am. Are you a God who repairs relationships? I am. Are you a God who provides financially? I am. am. And today we get to respond to that God. We get to ask God, that God, to work in our hearts, work in our minds, work in our bodies, work in our lives, and part the sea for us, like he did in the story, to lead us away from our captivity, to lead us into the land, the destiny that he has for us. So the worship team is going to come up. Let's stand and pray.